Aloha. Welcome to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but nothing replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we're going to talk about a difficult topic that a lot of folks have had struggles with, and that has to do with addiction. There are a lot of things that unfortunately have been challenging in the last year with COVID and the difficulties that it's provided with isolation and various other significant challenges that people have faced. But in addition to that, we still have an underlying opioid epidemic. We have a situation where people are unfortunately having problems with becoming addicted to substances, whether it be alcohol or drugs or various other elements that they want to have some help with and trying to achieve a state of recovery. And today we're going to be talking with two individuals from Kona and they're on the big island. We have, we have Jimmy Kaihora, I hope I said that correctly, from Hawaii Island Recovery and Stephen Gallagher. And they're both residents in Kona and joining us today from the big island to share with us their experience and knowledge about what it means to go through rehab and recovery and what that whole process is like. Our goal is to educate folks so that if you or someone you love needs help, you know there's some places you can go to get that. So I want to thank you for joining me today, uh, both Jimmy and Stevie, and uh, jump right in. Jimmy, I'm curious. You know, a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about rehab, and, and COVID has really made things much more difficult in the last year, particularly here in the islands. What has been your thoughts on how this is this opioid epidemic? It almost feels like we kind of pushed it to the wayside because we were all worried about what was going on with coronavirus, but it's still out there and it's still a serious problem. And this is something that people are still struggling with. What sort of changes have you seen within the last year or so? Wow. It's just, <clears throat> so thank you for the introduction and thank you for having me on the show and for, um, the topic, um, which is timely, relevant, and um, prevention and education is, is, is definitely... You know, well, prevention and education is what we're all about, and this is something that we want to promote. Now, Hawaii Island I, Recovery has been around for quite a long time, and you joined them. Tell me a little bit about the last year of challenges. Well, the last year of challenges, um, I'd say, you know, with, with mandates to shut down, um, when we first um, kind of stumbled into this, it was uh, all we knew is it was highly communicable, um, you know, contagious by just social exchange and, and, and being in numbers. And uh, residential treatment is communal living. And, you know, so we had to figure out, you know, how to do this safely. Do we close the doors? Um, first, it was just wash your hands and don't touch your face. And it, it graduated, you know, so our um, aim or pardon me, our, our strategy was just to tighten the container, you know, just really kind of uh, stop the flow of traffic, nobody coming in. Um, and um, and then it was mandated, you know, inner island travel, somebody in, on Oahu or Maui or Kauai that needed our services was uh, less likely to access them because of um, some travel restrictions and what have you. So there were all, all manner of, of um challenges um but also from an administration you know place was you know is it wise to bring people in you know testing wasn't readily available um vaccine wasn't available and so uh it was it was really a challenge one of the if you could say silver linings that came up was collaboration a lot of us had to come together 
and um, and know that we were in in this together, and we're going to have to figure out how to be sustained together. So there's a lot of uh, partnering up. Now you mentioned collaboration, and I'm wondering, are there enough rehabilitation facilities in the islands to handle the demand and the needs that we have in our communities? That's a full no. Absolutely not. The need is great, and the services are very, very few. Um, an example of that is Hawaii Island Recovery is uh, a full-service residential treatment center. We offer detox level of care for those that need it, alcohol or benzos. Uh, you know, those are the ones that can potentially kill you just in the detox, you know, seizure risk and what have you. Um, opioids that you alluded to earlier, those folks are going to feel like they're going to die. You know, so the discomfort is, is, is so great um, in the detox phase. Um, and so <clears throat> medically supervised detox is, is critical um, for some folks. And uh, it's, it's alarming to report that there are no standalone detoxes in the state of Hawaii, no full stop. Um, there, there, there are detox offerings. Uh, for example, here in Kona, the, the uh, behavioral health unit, uh, for those that have you know, suicidal ideations or um, seizure risk um, or, or other complications might be able to get in. That's a tall order. Um, we are serving eight people. That's our max occupancy. And so we can't handle the capacity, you know, of those that need it. So we need more. You know, we need a lot more. Now, what does it take to establish a rehabilitation facility. You mentioned you have a full service of various different things that you offer, residential treatment, detox treatment. What are these different types of services? For someone who's not familiar with the expanse of the different offerings in rehab, there's different levels and people have different needs. What are the basics? What, what, how would somebody even know what's available? Well, I think that um, by finding some you know qualified individual who can provide an assessment just to help you appreciate, you know, what it is that you need. Uh, because it's easy to say, you know, been drinking too much, and um, if we can just address that, then all will be well. You know, so off to rehab, any rehab. Uh, failing to consider that, you know, maybe, maybe it's a dual diagnosis concern. You know, maybe, maybe you know, severe depression or anxiety or schizophrenia. Uh, some folks need behavior modification. Some folks need something gender-specific because of trauma. Trauma is uh, thought to underline all addiction. And then some are just, you know, your straight, red-blooded, you know, Hawaiian um, addict or alcoholic. Um, and so there's different levels of care that speak to all those different concerns. And so by having a qualified assessment, um, you're more likely to get it one stop, you know, one and done. Um Hopefully that answers that question. So, absolutely. So the different levels of service. So if somebody is acutely wanting to come off of either a substance or something along those lines, you referenced detox. So that would be one level that someone might be at. You also mentioned that you have a residential facility. Do people go through rehab and wind up in situations where they're treated as outpatients per se? So it's not necessarily residential? You know, uh, to be successful, and this isn't just my opinion, you know, you need the full continuum of care. I think that if you look at the numbers, um, and I'm a numbers guy, <clears throat> the, the, the numbers suggest that at 30 days, there's, there's no evidence behind 30 days being proven as kind of the magic number. Um, you know, 
the full continuum of care means you're after detox into residential, then stepping down gradually into, you know, a lesser level of care, like, like outpatient, you know, partial hospitalization, which is a form of outpatient, you know, more days, or IOP intensive outpatient, or all the way down to just seeing a therapist. But it's, um, it's kind of a gradual slope until you're, 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 um, uh, the obsession is removed. Right? You're no longer struggling or fighting, you know, and um, have a new lease on life. It's not, it's not a, a sentence. You know, uh, oftentimes people will um, remark on how uh, falling down this way, you know, um, is one of the best things that's ever happened because of the way that it's allowed them to stand up. You know, being the best version of yourself is part of the ingredients of, of sobriety. You know. Well, on that note, absolutely, we want people to be the best version that they can be. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Today we're talking about rehab and what are the different various elements of that? How might somebody know if they need it? And what are some of the experiences that they could expect if they do wind up being admitted to a rehabilitation facility? We are coming right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian motor experts, and Chaminade University. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I have on the line Jimmy Kaihar. Kai, Kai Hura, I will get that correct to me one of these times, from Hawaii Island Recovery. And we also have Stephen Gallagher, and he wants to share with us his experience. Now, Stephen, you are someone who has experienced rehab before. What sort of things happen in that kind of environment? I mean, for someone who has no knowledge of what takes place in those locations, explain to us what your daily routine would be and what sort of, what sort of, elements that might surprise people that you're able to do while you're working on trying to transition into a recovery mode? Well, so at the age of 28, I knew there was something really wrong with me. I didn't know what it was. Um, I guess I kind of knew it was alcoholism because I, I couldn't not stop drinking on a daily basis. So I do what, you know, anybody else does, and I go on to Google, and, um, you know, I find the treatment center that market markets themselves as, come here for 30 days, and now you're going to be cured. That, that was not in my experience. Um, addiction... What I've learned is a disease of isolation. Um, I think residential treatment is, if you can look at it in almost like a, an emergency room, it's like you got to stop the triage, you got to stop the bleeding, and then you can work on the underlying issues because the addiction sits so much further, it, it sits underneath the, the substance that the individual is using to mask whatever is going on emotionally um, in their brain, right? Um, what I have experienced 
experience is my level of success, and I've been doing this for 10 years, in and out of treatment, the most successful places I've been are places that, like, it's, um, it's all about continuum of care. So you're there 60, 90 days, stop the triage, stop the bleeding, and now let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Where's the, the trauma? Um, um, you know, a lot of therapy, um, things like that. Well, and that's similar to what Jimmy referenced earlier, which is, you know, it's not just treat the detox and then then you're done. It's this longitudinal care process where at different levels, when you reach certain goals and you can do a little bit more independent work on yourself, then you may not need to be in a residential situation versus a partial hospitalization or outpatient treatment or even just seeing your own personal therapist. So I'm curious, having struggled with this for a while, what makes it a more successful program in your mind? What sort of services did you feel were the most helpful for you when you were going through some of your struggles? Stevie? Well, if I could, like I mentioned earlier, addiction is a disease of isolation. So it's community, being part of the community, like creating new friendships, new, um, just being around a community that can understand like what you're going through. Because, a you know, as, a, as an alcoholic, there was, there was a time where, you know, I quite literally would lay in my closet wondering what is wrong with me? Am I the only person on earth dealing with this? But when I get into recovery, what I learn is there's other people that felt the same way. Ah, now I'm curious because, Jimmy, you mentioned at the top of the hour that isolation is a big issue. And in fact, COVID brought isolation to the forefront and made everybody say, you know, stay home, stay indoors, stay in your own location, do not interact, do not have that social community aspect. And Stevie, here you are saying that's one of the things that that makes the whole process of recovery better is knowing that you have some other folks who are having similar struggles. So I'm curious, Jimmy, you mentioned that one of the things you guys had to do is sort of lock the doors and kind of find unique collaborations. And what were some of the things that you found you had to change due to COVID and how did that work out, Jimmy? Well, you know, great question. And it's just the way that you did business. Uh, what, what does intimacy look like in terms of um, creating that relationship of trust with the person that you're serving um, so that you can get to, as um, Steve was alluding to, the causes and conditions. Um, you know, alcohol, as uh, Steve was articulating, um, he identified was a symptom. You know, it works. Drugs work. Um, he had to get down to why he needed that escape. You know, if he continued to drink, and, you know, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, Steve, but as you've identified, uh, one of the things that, that happens in discovery, <clears throat> I call it discovery, not recovery, uh, because you're really discovering a way of living unlike anything that you've ever experienced before. Um, and one of the things that you identify is that you're not alone. 
you know, you're no longer alone uh, or isolated. So COVID as an isolating condition or disease um, brought about, uh, you know, it was, it was just very, very difficult. The numbers are still coming in on um, how it affected mental health and substance abuse, but it, it was devastating. Um, the weeks, just weeks pre- preceding, um, you know, some of the mandated shutdowns, you were looking at percentages that were in the uh, you know, 18, 20 digits uh, uh, percentage um, in terms of, um, I think they published one publication, 17.57, um, in, in terms of the impact of, um, of overdose nationally. Compare that to March 19th, 61% roughly overdoses. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a short period of time from, you know, the uh, realization that, that something was happening and locking down um, and those that suffered in this way are suddenly dying. You know, um, the opioid uh, epidemic being at the forefront just because of the nature of that condition, the, the mixture of fentanyl and not knowing exactly what it is that you're ingesting. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a incredibly challenging year for mental health and substance abuse and we're still um, discovering how devastating it's been and so domestic and otherwise um, you know <clears throat> alcohol um, we're talking about uh, drugs and alcohol specifically um, but you know these things bleed into other social um, issues and concerns domestic violence um, you know the DUIs, um, numbers, uh, the, the, the splatter is, is, is wide. And, um, and so, yeah, to the point of um, how it affected treatment, we had to figure out different ways to, to get together. Zoom, uh, as, as many businesses and, and, and entities had to, had to move to. Really surprising as to the intimacy that could be created in just that um, that, that, that room, you know, family therapy. Um, the, the brilliant thing, Dr. Kozak, that was um, discovered, because there are things that you can, you can, you can glean that are positive from this, is, uh, for example, the continuum of care and how we've identified that as being so important. With you know, Hawaii Island Recovery, one of our challenges was that our patients were coming from Oahu or coming from Kauai. Um, we don't have the capacity to, to, to you know, visit with them over there. We have to find facilitators over there to pass the baton to and uh, continue care. But they've established with us, and um, we found it more efficacious for them to continue with, with our camp if they start. Um, but with the admin, you know, with Zoom, um, suddenly we're able to serve Molokai, patients that are coming from Molokai that we were hard-pressed to find somebody who is, um, you know, treating EMDR uh, trauma um, because you can't open that door without, um, you know, either being able to effectively pass the baton to another facilitator or closing it. And so that speaks to length of stay. That just speaks to collaboration. And with Zoom, um, you can you can continue to serve those individuals, and that that creates outcomes. Well, that's that's truly transformational, and one of the 
a few positive things that I think has happened from this is understanding the the ability to go to areas previously underserved. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what happens in rehab and what are some of the different ways that people have found to recreate their life and establish a state of recovery. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have I have Jimmy Kaihura on the line from Hawaii Island Recovery and Stephen Gallagher, and they're both located in their home in Kona on the Big Island. And we're talking today about the different services that are available in a rehabilitation facility. And earlier in the show, we talked about different levels of care that sometimes can be uh, provided. And I'd be curious, you know, Jimmy, you mentioned earlier, we don't have enough facilities to handle the need that is out there in the community. If you had a magic wand and you could create whatever it is that you needed to help people dealing with addiction and recovery, what do you think would be what would be created? Wow, what a, what an interesting and difficult question. A magic wand. First of all, <clears throat> I would have to qualify, and this is uh, it may sound as though I'm discriminating. However, I am married to my um, my backyard and where I live. The problem is here, and so the magic wand would be focused on the island. Um, and it would be focused on providing all of those levels of care um, appropriately, you know, um, best practices um, on all islands, accessible to all people, regardless of their pocketbook or insurance or whatever have you. So that means programs that are primarily mental health, and they do exist, uh, programs that are evidence-based, um, fullness of care from detox to outpatient substance abuse uh, programs that were, you know, that are represented, you know, behavioral health. And there's great ones, you know, uh, shout out, uh, if I may, to, to Bridge House, just an excellent model of a program that works and, and that, that creates that continuum of care long game. You know, there's a lot of good models, uh, but the fact is that we need more. And so the magic wand would create more and more of what's needed, which is different levels of care. Hopefully the articulation of what a different level of care means just means that it's not the same recipe for everybody. Everybody's a bit different, and um, you can't throw them all into the same camp. Um, you know, consider your mom or your uh, neighbor, post worker, um, the banker. Um, you know, if they were found themselves drinking too much wine, um, they may not benefit from a behavior modification program. Um, you know, that, that might be have too many rough edges. Um, you know, <clears throat> primary substance abuse, a place that um, everybody should be treated with dignity and, and respect as they go through the process, but different levels of care to be successful. That way you, you're, you're less likely to have that revolving door, that repetitive, um, you know, chronic relapse rate that we see. Well, and you mentioned the individualism that I think is required. So on that initial assessment, you described having somebody who's a professional who understands what you need, but also having the ability to have what services, even in that particular level of care that you need. 
that are most applicable to you. So to have that ability to just tailor those and customize it to the needs of the individual, you're right. You probably wouldn't put a banker and your neighbor and your mom and your sister and who knows uh, who else in your world all in the same place and expect there's one solution for everybody that's going to work for, for all of them. So that's that's a big ask from the magic wand, but I think you've really decided to share with us some of the things that are desperately needed locally here. I'm curious, Stevie, if you had a magic wand, what do you think would be the best way to address some of the addiction <clears throat> So I've lived in different recovery communities around the country, right? I just got back here from Kona after living a year in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I think after what this world has gone through um, with this COVID crisis, I, I pray that there's a lot more compassion when it comes towards people that are struggling, not only with substance abuse, but with mental health issues. And that hopefully there's a lot more resources available. Well, and it sounds like, you know, you also hit the same issue, which is, the quantity of services and the ability to have more avail- more locations that you can go to. I'm curious, Jimmy, you mentioned earlier that the pandemic brought out the ability to use platforms like Zoom to communicate with people in other locations here in Hawaii and really helped with that continued transition from care in your location to care closer to home. And even opened up the doors to other islands that may not have had services before. With with that being said, where do you think the challenges are going to be going forward? If we think about where we've gotten to right now, and we hopefully will get more services available in, in quantity, where do you see this going in the next couple of years? If you could get out a crystal ball, now I've created a magic wand and a crystal ball. But where do you think things are headed in the near future, Jimmy? Well, I, I see in the near future, um, first of all, Zoom has been proven efficacious. And so I, I, I hope and use the word Steve, uh, to borrow from Steve, I pray, um, that that's something that, that continues to be an option. Um, Hawaii is identified as a rural area and so underserved. And so this is a way for us to um, create access to people that otherwise would have that challenge. Um, I do feel prompted to say, um, you know, with, in representing Hawaii Island Recovery, that we are a primarily substance abuse treatment center. And so don't posture as though we can do it all. And so to those that are listening that um, hear that and, and, and think, well, gosh, you know, what am I to do? Where would I find it? Understand that part of our calling is through the assessment criteria. If somebody calls and they need a different level of care, we're going to help them find it. You know, that is what we measure success as. Um, if a person can identify and find the proper vehicle, uh, then, then it's a job well done. We recognize and will humbly admit we're not the one for everyone. And so um, with Steve's magic wand, just to add to that, more access and um, people being able to, to get there. And so that's something that I definitely want to 
um, uh, publish, you know, is that our, our assessments are available to, to folks to be able to uh, literally hold their hand to finding that program because it's so challenging uh, when so many programs posture to have what you need. And um, how do you know? Well, I absolutely want to thank both of you for sharing your expertise on the show with us today and really appreciate you being open about the experiences that you've had and also helping people to to find their way. If you or someone you love needs some help, there is a national hotline available, 1-800-662-4357. Again, I want to thank our guests both Jimmy Kaihora from Hawaii Island Recovery and Stephen Gallagher, both currently located in Kona, for sharing their stories. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can go on hawaiipublicradio.org and follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you right here next week on The Body Show.